Welcome to the Raising Kids Together podcast. Raising Kids Together is a place where moms of all ages and stages come together from all over the world to walk this journey of mothering with one another. This podcast is just a small glimpse into the things that we are talking about in our daily Zoom meetings. I am your host, Tina Smith, and each week you can listen in as I and others share God's word and grow in our spiritual parenting. I am praying that you are blessed as you listen in. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we have around the shared body of Jesus Christ, around your word, around um, the Holy Spirit's revelation of the end times. I praise you, God, that you did not leave us without resource. You did not leave us without information. And so I thank you for that. Lord, I ask you to speak through me, hide me behind the cross, God, so that all these ladies here is you, your voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into their heart. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts that are eager to learn from your word because revelation promises a blessing to those who hear and heed and take action. So Father, bless us now as we study your word. God, I just pray for so many in this room who are experiencing um, loss and pain and um, just persecution. Father, I ask you to give us strength, help us feel your arms around us, Lord, and give us um, just, um, just a light in our heart. Uh, knowing that you are in control of it all. It's in your name I ask these prayers, Jesus. Amen. All right. So last week, we, um, well, the week before that, we looked at trumpets one through four from um, 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 Revelation chapter um, not eight, chapter eight. And then last week we took a little bit of a break and went back to Revelation chapter seven, where we watched the 144,000 Jewish believers be sealed. And that was because there was something coming that they needed to be sealed for. So here we are, beginning to learn about that something that's coming. So we're going to start out in Revelation chapter nine, looking at the fifth trumpet. So go with me to Revelation chapter nine, verses one through 12. And I hope you have your handout. We're working through these three pages of the handout. We're through the, um, what is this? We're through the seals. We've, we've looked at what happens through all seven seals. And now we are on trumpet number five. Uh, and I'm hoping we're going to get through five and most of six today because there is a lot that goes on. All right. So you recall that um, at the end of the fourth trumpet, there was an angel flying through the air saying, whoa, 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 because of the three remaining blasts of the trumpet. So that would be trumpet five, six and seven. So let's look at that 
fifth trumpet, the first woe. Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came on the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Seal, remember the 144,000 were sealed. All right, so verse five, and they were not and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Verse seven, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and they had teeth like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Now, verse 12, this woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Okay, so this is where you want to grab your trumpets handout and start filling in on the fifth trumpet because there's a, a, a pretty large number of things that are happening here. So first thing that happens is a star falls from heaven. Now, this is very likely Satan himself. So we can be pretty sure that this is Satan, given what happens next. This, this star from heaven is given the key to the bottomless pit, which he opens, and out of the pit billows smoke that darkens the air and the sun. Um, out of the smoke comes locusts with great power. Now, these are definitely demonic forces that, that look like locusts. So let's take a look at those locusts for just a minute. All right. Who are they allowed to torment? They are allowed to torment those who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. How do they torment them? With the sting of a scorpion. Now, I've never been stung by a scorpion, but I understand it is miserable. Um, so they don't have the, they don't have the authority to kill with their stings, um, but and they cannot harm the grass, the trees, or any green thing. But they can torment men mankind for five months. Now, let's not pass by that too quickly. Five months can go by really fast if everything's good. 
But if you are being tormented, if you are in pain, if you have any sort of sickness, five months is a very, very long time. So they can torment for five months. Vanessa says, do you think these locusts are visible or invisible demonic beings? I think they're visible. Just my opinion. So let's look at the description of these locust-like creatures. Let's just add to the Chick-fil-A and gas the fact that this is a year of the locust. Tada! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're everywhere now. They're starting to really invade um, right now. Okay, so what do they look like? They're shaped like horses prepared for battle. So they have a shape like a horse. They have a crown of something like gold on their heads. Notice it says something like gold. It doesn't say it's gold. And if you recall in scripture, scripture says that Satan likes to, um, likes to hide himself and pretend he is an angel of light. So Jesus will come with a gold crown on his head. These uh, locusts have something like a gold crown on their head. They have the face of a man. So they have a human face and the hair of a woman. They have the teeth of a lion, breastplates of iron, wings that sound like chariots with horses running to battle. So try to imagine that in your mind. Their wings sound like chariots with horses running to battle. Um, think about a, a Hollywood movie you've seen that incorporates chariots and horses and tails like scorpions that sting humans. So these are quite impressive. I'm just going to say there's nothing like that that we can imagine today. They also have a leader. The angel of the bottomless pit is the leader of the locusts, and he, the, we're given two names for him, a Hebrew name that um, Jewish people of that day would have understood because Jewish people in that day spoke Hebrew and Greek, typically. So the, the Jewish Hebrew name was Abaddon. The Greek name was Apollyon. And both of these names lend the idea of destroyer. That's what both of these names mean. Um, in verse six really is a key verse when we're talking about the fifth trumpet. Um, it says, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. So this is going to be a really bad time um, and people will ask to die, but death will not come. So death has really taken a holiday for the time of the fifth trumpet. Now, do you remember any other of the trumpets, seals or trumpets or seals where men beg to die and it doesn't happen. Look back at the sixth seal. Revelation 6, 
The sixth seal is very, very similar with regard to the cosmic happenings. Um, a great earthquake, the sun becomes black, the moon becomes blood, the stars fall. Uh, and then look in verse 15, and the kings of the earth, all the people of the earth, hide themselves in the caves and the rocks. And verse 16, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the the of him the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb so people beg to die it's really really that bad all right so um i want to share with you an interesting reference from the time when jesus was on the earth in Luke chapter 10. So jump over with me to Luke chapter 10. And let's take a quick look and see if we hear anything familiar in Jesus' words. Luke chapter 10, and let's look at verse 17. Now, let me give you some background. Jesus has sent out the disciples. Um, 70 of them have returned, and they're reporting into Jesus of all they did under his power. So Luke 10 verse 17 says, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Great. Wonderful. All right. So that's, that's, they're celebrating. Then verse 18, and Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you see any correlation with the fifth trumpet? Scorpions, serpents, nothing shall hurt you. And remember the sealed 144,000, I think Jesus is referring to the fifth trumpet. He may be referring to a lot of other things as well, but there has to be some reference here to what's going to happen in the fifth trumpet. So what might Jesus' words in Luke 10 suggest about whether or not Christians will still be on the earth at the fifth trumpet. I think the rapture has not happened yet at the fifth trumpet. Not going to tell you yet when I think it's going to happen. But I think it's not happened yet. All right. Any questions about the fifth trumpet before we move to number six? Um, Vanessa says, so they will, right? Or at least the 144,000. So they will what? So you were asking if you if we thought Christians would remain on the earth. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm saying so they mo we most likely will be. That's my reading of the scripture at this point. I know that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear that we're raptured prior to the first seal, but I don't think so at this point. All right, so let's move on to trumpet number six. Um, so back in Revelation, Revelation uh, 9, verse 13. Now, what happens as a result of the um, sixth trumpet is 
is um, revealed to us in stages. And it's, we probably won't get through all of the sixth trumpet today. So save space on your, um, on your handout, on your timeline for other things than what we get through today. We might, I don't know, we might get through it. Um, Vanessa says, but what gives me comfort is knowing these things will happen, but God protects us who have been sealed in his name. Yes, absolutely. God protects us. Now, does that mean that nothing bad will happen to us during that time? No, it probably does not. We will endure some pretty rough times if we're still on this earth. But God gives us grace for each moment, and he has a plan for that. All right, Revelation 9, verses 13 through 21. Uh, Then the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which they can neither see nor hear nor walk, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, this is a pretty heavy passage, so let's let's take it a little bit at a time. Um, there are several things that we want to see here. Um, first, a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is placed just in front of the curtain that leads into the Holy of Holies. So you remember, hopefully, that there's two altars in the tabernacle. The altar of sacrifice was outside the actual tent. The golden altar was inside the tent just before you went into the Holy of Holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was and God's presence stayed. So the golden altar is where incense was offered along with the prayers. So there's this voice that comes from the four horns of the altar that um, that says, for the four angels who are bound at the Euphrates River to be released. Now, what in the world is going on here? So first, nowhere in scripture do we have an instance of holy, um, godly angels being bound. So we can be fairly certain that these are fallen angels. They are demon demons that have have fallen and they have been bound 
until a certain time. God is going to use them for judgment. And scripture says that they will kill a third of mankind. Again, let's not rush by that too quickly. Because to this point, a lot of humanity has died. If you look back at seal number four, a quarter of the population died. So now we have people left, still a very large population left. Some have been born, some have died of natural causes, some have died of other things. But now in this sixth trumpet, a third of those that are left are going to die. So the implications of that are mind-blowing, like mind-blowing. That number of deaths, that many dead bodies, that much um, just grief and mourning. The world is going to be a, um, a sad, horrible place at that point. Okay, so the Euphrates River is mentioned here. Now, this is not the only time we're going to hear about this river. So we're wise to do just a little bit of background work to learn about the Euphrates River. Now, it is the longest and most important river in the Middle East today. Um, so let's look at some places in scripture that this river is mentioned. Go with me to Genesis chapter two, verse 14. Genesis 2.14 says, um, this is the description in the Garden of Eden. Uh, let's back up actually to verse 10. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hiddekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. So there's the first mention of the Euphrates. We have four rivers that are named. For the most part, the actual location of these rivers today is pretty uncertain. And one of the reasons could be is that this geography that's being described here in Genesis 2 was pre-flood. The flood likely changed the topography and the geography of the world. So um, three of these four, we're really not sure where they are today. Um, it's mentioned that um, one of them goes around the land of Cush. It's, many scholars think that the land of Cush is modern day Ethiopia. Could be. All right. Um, so the Euphrates is the only one of the four rivers that came out of the garden that we know for sure where it is. So now let's find another mention of the Euphrates in Genesis 15, 18. 
Vanessa says, this is where worldly history says humanity or the cradle of civilization began at Mesopotamia or near the Euphrates River. Nada, yes, absolutely, that's right. Um, many, 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 many scholars believe that the Garden of Eden was located in what is modern day Iraq. Okay, all right, Genesis 15, 18. Here's another mention of the Euphrates River. Um, this is when God cut covenant with Abraham. That's another thing I would love to teach you someday about all the covenants in the Bible. Um, every Christian needs to understand those covenants, but not today. Uh, so 18, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, all those ites, all those ites. He's giving them the land of all those ites. Okay. So the Euphrates marked off the boundaries of the promised land. And we can, that would be part of the discussion. If we wanted to have that discussion about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we would talk about the boundaries of the promised land another time. All right. So the Euphrates was the eastern boundary of the promised land. Now let's go to First Chronicles 18.3. First Chronicles 18.3. In First Chronicles 18.3, uh, we're talking about, we're learning about King David's conquests for the nation of Israel. Verse three says, and David defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath as he went to establish his power by the river Euphrates. So there's also a reference in 2 Chronicles 9.26. We won't read it. 2 Chronicles 9.26 that tells us that Israel's boundaries extended to the Euphrates River during David and Solomon's reigns. So the Euphrates River was an important boundary line in those days. All right. Psalm 137, one through four. <laughs> You're funny, Tina. Psalm 137, one through four. All right. So verse one says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive ask of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And so this references um, indirectly the Euphrates when um, they hung their harps upon the willows um, in the midst of it. And then they were carried away. And that was to Babylonia, and that's where the Euphrates was. So this represents the 70 years of captivity that the Israelites had under Nebuchadnezzar. All right, one more place. Um, Revelation 16, we've not really gotten there yet, but I want you to see it. Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. And interestingly enough, we're studying the sixth trumpet. 
the next mention of the Euphrates River is the sixth bowl. How cool is that? All right. Verse 12, Revelation 16, 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl where? On the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. All right. I won't go into any more about the, the bowl, sixth bowl, uh, because we will get there. But as you can see, the Euphrates River is a very important river in scripture. All right, so what do we, what else do we learn from these verses about the sixth trumpet? So we learn that there is a massive mounted army that numbers 200 million. Are there any armies in the world right now of 200 million? No. Are there any nations that could assemble an army of 200 million? Yes. China, India. I'm not saying they're gonna, but it's a possibility. All right, so scholars debate back and forth as to whether this is an actual human army or a supernatural army. The language here might suggest that it's a supernatural army, but we have to remember that John had this vision and he wrote this in AD 90. So he is using the only language that he knows to describe things that he's never seen before. All right. So think about how different warfare would have been then than it is even today. He would never have seen a gun. He would never have seen a tank. He would never have seen an airplane. He would never have seen a car. So he is he's doing the best he can with the vocabulary and the words he has to describe what he's seeing. Um, and so he says that the riders have breastplates of red, dark blue, and yellow. The horses have heads like lions and tails like snakes. Remember Luke 10 that we just read? We have the power to trample scorpions and snakes. Um, there is fire, smoke, and sulfur that bursts forth from the mouths of these horses. So we can know that People will be killed from fire, smoke, and sulfur. They will be burned to death, and they, there will be asphyxiation, smoke inhalation. They will die from smoke inhalation. Those are the ways that people will die. Um, those that are not killed in this plague do not repent of their murders, magic arts, sexual immorality, or thefts. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine going through something like this and not being so scared that I was like willing to repent of everything I had ever done in my entire life. Yeah. Okay. So they actually continue to worship demons and idols. Um, let's look at a couple of the words that are used in that description. The Greek word for magic arts is a word that gives us our English word pharmacy or pharmaceuticals. 
In John's day, many false religions utilized drugs or hallucinogenic drugs to cause their followers to ascend to a higher religious state. So in the last days, there's going to be rampant drug use. The Greek word that's used for sexual immorality is porneia, referring to general sexual sin of every kind. And that's where we get our word pornography. Stephanie says desensitization. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see just in the use of those two words, any similarity to the day in which we live right now? Rampant drug use, sexual licentiousness of every kind? Absolutely. So the big takeaway from trumpets five and six, or, or the first part of six, five and the first part of six, is that neither threat or occurrence of horrific judgment from God, as well as the presence of these 144,000 sealed witnesses who preach the gospel, none of that does much to turn the hearts of men to God in those days. So just like Stephanie says, there's desensitization. The hearts are going to be very, very hard toward the things of God in that day. Now, go to 1 Timothy 4.2, and let's see what Timothy has to say about this. Or Paul, see what Paul has to say about this to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.2. It's embedded in all those T books, Timothy, Thessalonians, and Titus, right before Hebrews. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, let's, let's back up to one. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, that's what we're studying, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from the foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Paul is saying, in the last days, hearts will be hardened, and we are seeing that in these trumpet judgments. We're also seeing it today. All right, so it feels a little bit like we're on the fast track. And I hope that as you're beginning to learn about what goes on in the book of Revelation, you can, you can um, look at the newspaper. Most people don't read newspapers any, anymore, but look at current events with an eye to the sky. Keep the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Because both need to be considered in the day in which we live. Uh, John MacArthur says of the days of the sixth trumpet, under the influence of massive demon forces, the world will descend into a morass of false religion, murder, sexual perversion, and crime that is unparalleled in history. Now, also part of the sixth trumpet is Revelation chapter 10. So I'm not going to read it. You can read that for yourself. It's one of those um, interludes that it's very interesting to read 
but it's not something that um, is going to be um, super important for us understanding the whole timeline. So let me give you a quick overview. John sees the vision of an angel, a little book, and John gets a stomach ache. That's Revelation chapter 10. All right, so you can read that for yourself, but I do want to look at one verse out of it. Revelation ch chapter 10, verse 7. It says, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, so this is talking about what's going to happen when the seventh trumpet sounds. In the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. The mystery of God. So somewhere on your trumpet timeline, I want you to write at the seventh trumpet, I've put it at the top of the seventh trumpet, mystery of God finished. We're coming back to that next week. All right, so next week we're going to look at Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to look at the two witnesses, and we're also hopefully going to look at the seventh trumpet. I'm so thankful that you joined us for this week's episode of the Raising Kids Together podcast. I hope you've been blessed by listening in on our Zoom room. We would love for you to join us. You can come when you can and come as you are. Simply go to RaisingKidsOnYourKnees.org and click the button on the front page to enter the Raising Kids Together Zoom room. We meet Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Have a great day.